Hello and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. As always, the Resilient Podcast out there, thank you very, very much for listening to mine. This is a subject near and dear to my heart. I love a hockey team very much. Uh, The current incarnation of this hockey team is called the Winnipeg Jets. When I first knew it, it was the Atlanta Thrashers. I put uh, basically a post on Reddit um, the other day, and I had a guy come on from Winnipeg, Manitoba, which is thousands and thousands of miles from where I'm sitting right now. And we had a very interesting conversation, I think. I hope I like I liked it and you know, I I hope you guys like it too. Um if you don't, um you know, I'll be releasing other episodes, um including one uh, I'm going to be recording one uh, very topical one um basically tomorrow. Um, and I'll be putting that out, uh, very, very soon. Um, but anyway, this here is a very fun episode, I think, about two people talking about the Winnipeg Jets and the Atlanta Thrashers, and also the original Winnipeg Jets that are now the Arizona Coyotes. And right there, I'm sure a lot of, um, international listeners, I'm sure a lot of listeners that aren't in either the U.S. or Canada are a little bit confused. And hopefully, um, if you want to stick around and listen to two hockey nerds uh, talk about hockey, well, you'll learn something about this wonderful sport. All righty, folks. I'll check you guys later. Um, bye-bye. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings, and I'm here with Paul Ross. Paul, why don't you tell us about our shared affliction? Uh, well, we are uh, we're both Winnipeg Jets 2.0 fans, uh, and you having more of a strong connection from Atlanta kind of explains that, where the departure of your team going to Winnipeg. And we have this, uh, we have this shared pain of knowing what it's like to, to have an NHL team leave your city uh, and what that what that does to a fan base, what that does to uh, a, a, a team's morale, if you will, and and uh, how we move forward, I guess, you know. Yeah. So earlier off air, you, you were saying that there was it was during the year that it, it was learned that during the year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When uh when Jets 1.0 were were sold, it was uh, it was kind of like a big deal. It was like front page news in all of the major newspaper articles here in uh, or in Winnipeg at the time, right? So they uh, everybody knew that the team was leaving. Uh, they were still playing that regular season. We were fortunate enough to have enough points to make it in the playoffs. I think we're the eighth seeded team uh, in our division. So we kind of we we were like graced with the opportunity to have a couple extra games we weren't even sure uh we were even going to make the playoffs that year so a lot of people 
tried to get that last regular season game in, thinking that was going to be the last one, maybe. Uh, planning in advance, so to speak. And I knew I knew people who went to that game, and they that was like their most cherished hockey memory that they have, right? Right. And yeah, we we made it to the playoffs that year, and we were ousted by the Detroit Red Wings, who actually went on to win the Stanley Cup that year, I believe. Um, so I remember that. Yeah. It's uh, it was it was a heartbreak, but at the same time, like couldn't have gone out any better really um but that was the last game right that that, those playoffs were the the last games to watch your home team ever play until whatever future date you wouldn't know right you had no idea if you were going to get a 2.0 or not um but yeah that that was uh it was an interesting time right so we watched our team leave to go to go become the phoenix coyotes at the time and you, you were saying off air that you you were skeptical of the Phoenix Coyotes' existence. Yes, uh, I mean the fact that we were sold was one thing. Like it, it would have been it would have been more respectable if the team we loved so much went to a market that seemed like it could have been more viable or it would have looked like it would have worked out better. But the truth is, uh, when I heard it was Phoenix and a lot of people in in our area all had the same skeptical thought, like why. Why on earth would an ice hockey team go and play in the desert of Arizona like that? Like it just it just felt like there was it was kind of weird, you know what I mean? Like it felt wrong. Yeah, and, and you still get that online to this day. Like you still you still get that. Um and Absolutely. when I the last couple of days, you know, fast forwarding to now, or the recent past of two days ago. When I saw that Reddit post of that arena, uh, that college hockey arena that they're going to play in for three years, I'm thinking, you know, the suburban Atlanta arena that we have is way bigger than that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You, Atlanta has much better resources than what. <laughs> right. Like it, I, and I remember like, and the talk goes right. I, I remember people talking about it, saying things like, you know, when when are the when are the Coyotes gonna officially no longer be an NHL team, right? And, and you know what? People don't just say that because they hate them. That's not the truth. Like people actually like the idea of them, but the problem is the reality is this is a team that has 31 other NHL franchises flipping their bills to play hockey. And I, I just, to me, it's like that, that's, that's like a very, very poorly managed team. It's not a promising demographic for them to continue in. I mean, there's too many problems for me. There's all these red flags, right? So in my opinion, it's not a question of if it's going to happen. I think it's going to be more like, when is it going to happen where Phoenix is going to be sold to a new hockey market that's deserving of a team to play? And I remember making, like, in joking, almost like as a passerby comment, right, where somebody was asking, like, oh, well, if they get sold, like, where are they going to go? And a lot of people, especially in Canada, they jump on the whole, oh, Quebec City, Quebec City, they really want it there. Or sometimes you'll hear something about Kansas City, and now and again you'll hear Houston. Like, you hear names come up. But I kind of jokingly, but at the same time, with honesty, I think that it's better than any other option. 
I say, like, well, just give Atlanta another chance. Like, just give Atlanta another team. It's not like they... It's not like they're not deserving. They've done two franchises in the past, in the past, you know, 40 years. They can do it. They've got the arena. They, I think they made mistakes in the past. I think they're better for it today than they were before. They know the best moves going forward. I, I, I just feel like it's better there than anywhere else. I think, honestly, when, I, when people bring up Houston, I mean, Houston is tropical. Like it's literally in the, tr- it's practically in the tropics. Yeah. Um, you know, and but then you look at say we were talking off air about Las Vegas and Las Vegas, they're doing. But see, that's a resort town. I think. And how many of those people are resort people? I don't know. Right. I want to think about Vegas that I feel like it, it is an anomaly. It's not a normal place if that makes any sense for all accounts like the fact that it's a city that's driving where it is is a feat in and of itself mm. right so it doesn't make sense but it does make sense if and maybe that's what the argument was for the coyotes when they started maybe that's what they were trying to pull off the thing is i think i look at vegas and i can see how successful they are and uh, there was a lot of things that happened at the same time that vegas came out uh, like when the like the Vegas shootings happened, while well, it was around the same time the, the the Golden Knights became a franchise, and they really Vegas Strong was part of their culture. Like they they stepped into a culture that gave them a strong chance and a strong move forward situation. Right, that also, was huge. And also that first year, I mean, you and I both remember, like that first year they went they went all the way to. The Western Conference Final. That's right. right. They Didn't went they, to the finals. They went, they went to the finals. To they did. They went to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. And they I, went I, up against Washington Capitals, and it was the year Ovi got to hoist the cup, right? So, in my opinion, like, either team was deserving to win it. I'm happy for the Capitals because I think Ovechkin was working very hard to have it. But to be honest, like, the biggest upset of the year and the biggest surprise would have been Vegas stomping on the NHL and saying, we did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no team in the history has ever done that, right? So it would be pretty huge if they pulled it off. I would have I laughed at that, honest to God. I, because you have all these people from, like, Toronto. They're like, no, no. Not no. Like, like, yeah. Tampa they've Bay. Been, they've uh, been begging for a cup for, like, since 1960. What is it? 1960. 1963 i can't remember how long it's been i think they're they're the longest team without a cup current day is them really yeah okay yeah the last time the leafs won a cup was in the the early 60s if i recall correctly it's been it's been an atrociously long long period yeah we were talking off air about what you think the, the maple leafs um are the way they are, which is right. the, the hockey, the, the media culture there is just so toxic, you said. Yeah, a toxic is probably too harsh, right? I wouldn't say necessarily the media specifically is the problem. I, I think they contribute to the problem. I think that's more or less the thing. Uh, the fans in Toronto are a part of the problem, too. I'd like to say that as well, just to say, you know, their expectations are so high 
but you know there is no professional athlete on planet earth that can play perfect games all seasons long and especially when you're in the nhl you have a grueling 82 game season right like how many of those games are you going to be able to go mistake free you know it it, to me, I think it's impossible. I don't think any human feet will be able to pull that off. And even even Wayne Gretzky has incredible statistics, but I'm sure he had days or one or two games that were so bad that they were forgotten amongst the buried stats that he's planted on top of it. But I I bet you you can go into the the archives and maybe find one of those Gretzky games where he was just atrocious. Uh, I, th- I think also Gretzky had the. Had the, like you, we were alluding to earlier, I think he had the the good fortune of playing in a in a town that was kind of out of the way. Right, Edmonton. I, I think that had a lot to do with it. And you know, when he got to L.A., he basically saved the L.A. Kings. Yeah, I mean, he he was the injection that was needed to give you know a lot of uh, Hollywood people. Uh, a reason to check it out, a reason to go and see it for the first time, if it was their first time. And I mean, you, you when you have the best player of, of all time in, in in ice hockey playing for your team, you don't have a reason not to go. You know what I mean? Like you don't have a reason to at least check it out. And yeah, it was huge for LA. We know that the dollars that were spent and the trade that happened there was. That was more than just the trade. There was a lot that was going on that was, I think, big. It was, it was a publicity thing too, right? Like it was huge. I think, I think also I read or saw or something, something that, that it was actually done with the intent that you could actually sell hockey in California. Like, and and, and that's the truth. Like, if you think about it, ever since that happened, yeah. You know, the Ducks, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks became a team. The San Jose Sharks became a team. Like, uh, California blew up with ice hockey. They were like, we love it. And, like, we saw Gretzky. They got to see what was so magnificent, and now they're part of the culture. Like, they, they're they not. They're, they're in the picture. Yeah. And L.A. has gone on to win Stanley Cups in the early 2000s, right? Uh, so there's – and even Anaheim won the Stanley Cup in uh, 2005, I believe, against uh, – I think they, they were up against the Ottawa Senators at the time. Yeah. So, like, we know that it can be done. We know that there's promise, and we know that they have an opportunity to move it in the right direction. So we know that American hockey in the South is possible. We know that you can do it. Yeah. But, but then there's examples kind of- you can't, like Phoenix or Arizona, right, like the Coyotes. Is, but that's maybe because of the ownership culture as much as anything else. I mean, I think there's too much of everything. There's too many bad, bad omens, if you will. Like there's all the red flags are there. Yeah. Right. You, like, how can you how can you run it with that many red flags? I don't know. Yeah. Like every every other team in the league is paying for them to play. How how do you pull that off? How do you how do you walk up with pride going to play for this team? Like I don't I don't know. How do you think the uh, okay? Why do you think the NHL wants the Coyotes and Phoenix? Uh, 
I honestly, I can't, I can't, I don't know. I, I, I think that Gary Bettman was involved with the decision for the Coyotes to become a team in the South in the first place, right? He's still commissioner today. And I think there's some kind of legal documentation or something that's out there that's, that's causing him to just bite the bullet and make sure that the Coyotes stay a team as hard as, as hard as it is and as long as they possibly can, right? Um, it's almost like he doesn't want to be wrong, if that makes any sense. Or maybe, maybe the owners don't want to be wrong. Maybe there's a... Right. It could be a bit of an onus situation for whoever wanted this thing to start off the way that it did. It just, it's never been on the right foot, though. Like, they've had arena issues consistently. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, Yeah. And you couldn't even, I mean, the original arena, you couldn't even see part of the ice. Like, No. No, that's true. Like, yeah, it, it's rough, right? Like, you, you got to think like this is supposedly the highest standard of caliber ice hockey that you can find on on planet, and, right. and you got these coyotes showing up the way that they are and 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 trying to run a team like the way that they are. Just it's embarrassing to the league, really, right? Like, I mean, you're you're playing. I mean, you've got towns, you've got big cities that want a hockey team, and you're. And you're you're running around playing a hockey playing a hockey team in like a five thousand seat arena, and it's just like, come on. No, it doesn't make sense. It, it, you know, that's when when you look at like I looked at it, my first little synapse, there, my first little thought that I want to do another one of these hockey podcasts, right? Was I was looking at this photo on Twitter of the nightly crowd, the that night's crowd of the. Arizona Coyotes. There was maybe, I'm not joking, there were maybe 20 people. Right. You know, 20, I swear there wasn't 100. It wasn't 100 people, I promise you. And if it was 100, it wasn't 200. But it's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, why are they even there? Like, what's the... Come on. I don't know. And personally, I... It it would do the league service to have this team sold or you know what I mean? Like I think like they've gotta be looking at options. They can't they can't be ignoring the facts. You know what I mean? There's gotta here's what I remember as a Thrashers fan. Okay. Uh, I don't remember I don't wanna say like there was a day. Like I don't wanna say like there was a day or there was a moment or there was a but there was a, this gradual feeling, like, oh yeah, this this team's gonna move, right? Right. There's just this feeling, like, and part of it was like, part of it honestly was just like, the media, the sports media in this town never seemed like the the, the air, the over-the-air radio media, back 20 years ago, never seemed like they cared. They never. They never talk, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I remember talking to you off the air before about, you know, there is that stigma that maybe Atlanta is like not so much a sports city, right? Or like doesn't have that kind of culture. But I beg to differ. I look at I look at the Braves and I look what they've done over the like 20 years ago in that time frame. And mm-hmm. they won the World Series. And the fans were ravenous. They love the Braves, and I think that's you know Atlanta knows what it is to have a, a 
a sports culture built into it. I know that. I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like maybe the problem with ice hockey is it is different. It's not. It's not like the everyday stereotypical uh, U.S. sport. But at the same time, oh. like, yeah, they do have a market that could actually jump on this wagon and see what it is like to to ice a hockey team. That would be fantastic to watch. I I feel like it's not. It's not a crazy far fetched idea at all. Well, I, I was telling you earlier, like the thing I think it was was um, the problem. I think it was honestly was the um, the Thrashers were basically, you know, they were seen as the team of the boss, like not right. the team of the employee, but the team of the boss. And I, there, it's it's true that they were the only team that I can legitimately say this team was hated. Right. By people in the state, they were hated by people in the city. Now, that is true. But there also was an audience. I mean, there was a crowd. There was an audience that you would you would meet people that, you know, whatever. But when I compare it to, say, like the soccer team in town, it's night and day. Right. When I and I'll give you I'll give you an example off air, but I'll tell the people. I never saw anything from the people from of the people. Like I, you would see like corporate billboards or like obvious billboard type issues, but you would never see like somebody put up a mural. <laughs> right. You know? Like there's a mural in Atlanta of one of the big soccer players in town. Like, right. and somebody did that. A person did that. Right. That's the sign that this is of the town. Right. You didn't see that in Atlanta. Right. And, you know, they made bonehead off-ice decisions. Right. Really bonehead off-ice decisions. And, you know, and we were talking about, why don't we talk about, so Danny Heatley, that's the one. Yeah. Danny yeah. Drafted, uh, was he Was he drafted by the Atlanta Thrashers? No, he was drafted by the Ottawa yeah. Senators. No, he was drafted, by, he was drafted by the Thrashers. He was drafted by the Thrashers? Before Kovalchuk, but he they came in at the same time. Okay, okay. They but yeah, in. again, he had all the signs of a great player. He had so many good things in his package. People saw him and were like, that's a kid who's going to make a difference in, in on the ice anyway. It's yeah. just nobody could foresee his off-ice antics. Nobody could foresee. And like, you know, he wasn't a bad... Uh, he wasn't a bad player in terms of him and his agent and how he operated himself as a business that that wasn't i don't think he had a problem there uh but there yeah. was other issues right like the the car accident that happened with the dan car snyder. accident that killed with dan snyder yeah uh that you had um i remember like right it was either right before he left or right after he left he said some pretty bad things about the town as a whole. Right. But like, you know what, though? That's not his first... It's not his first time. Or maybe maybe that would have been his first time doing it, but that's not the first and only time. Like, he's done that other times as well, if you recall. Yeah. He went to Ottawa, and they actually got to the Stanley Cup Finals to lose against Anaheim when they won the Cup. And it, wasn't, it was shortly after that, Danny Heatley was requesting to be traded out of Ottawa. He was like, I want out. 
and he badmouthed the city of Ottawa just like I, I'm sure he did with Atlanta as well, right? Like, um, the difference though, like the difference though, is when when he lead, was requesting to leave the Ottawa Senators. It was more about Danny Heatley had the balls to do it. He had the balls to ask to leave because after he did that, there was a series of players for like following multiple decades in a row that repeated that same culture. Like you look at uh, Eric Carlson, who was a defenseman out of, out of Ottawa. He did the same thing and he's now playing for San Jose, right? Like other, other, there are other players that, don't want to be in that town it's not just one guy but he started that right like he gave that idea you could do this well i think also like i mean i think also now ottawa's got attendance problems i mean obviously there's covid so it doesn't right. restrictions. but before covid they had serious attendance problems so well they they have yeah and i i recall Somebody from Ottawa, I know, actually helped explain it to me because I remember seeing like it's a, it's a Canadian market game. Why aren't their stadiums 100% capacity? Like why aren't they full? And they were saying like you know you know how hard it is to actually get to the arena. It's like a two hour drive because of traffic being so bad, or it's like an hour and a half bus ride. You save time by 30 minutes on a bus that'll actually get you there. But apparently it's like it's just where the location of their arena is actually not near the city of Ottawa at all. Like it's uh, it's on the outskirts and it's like on a perimeter road. It's not. Yeah. That, so it's, it's difficult for people to be like, oh, yeah, let's go and check it out. You know what I mean? It's not a very like centralized location for people to just be there. Right. Right. And Similar I think. To Phoenix. So, yeah, I think also. <laughs> the, uh one of the problems that people keep having with these suburban um, arenas, essentially, is or stadiums or whatever, is like you might be able to get like a crowd, but it, but it's that crowd, like that's those are the people, like right. you're not draw from the whole area, and so if your town, if like if your team goes down, those people aren't going to be as interested. Right. And then if it's more effort to go and visit or go and watch and you're watching a losing game, what's your, yeah, your incentive is zero. Like you're not wanting to go and spend your money, waste your time. Everything is just against, against you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, Yeah. I mean, so tell me what, what do you think now about the, the way the Jets are now. Um, okay, we should say, for the lack for the confused audience, uh, so the Thrashers became the Jets. They became the Jets. They moved to Winnipeg. Yeah. Twenty uh, ten. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was twenty twenty ten. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think about the Jets now? Uh, we've uh, we've iced a decent team. I think we've iced a good team. Uh, there are pieces that are still pieces that came from Atlanta that are still there today. I, uh, some of the some of the previous players, though, like one example that I can think of, and this is not Atlanta's 
fault or doing whatsoever. They it was it's the same problem as the the, the Danny Heatley drafting Danny Heatley problem, right? In Atlanta, they drafted him because they saw all the parts that they liked, and they were like, "Yeah, let's get him." And then they did the same thing with Evander Kane. Their number four, the number four pick overall was in Atlanta before they left, so they picked Evander Kane. And at the time, like he had all the pieces that looked good, right? Yeah. Uh, and today, like this kid has done a lot of negative culture. Like he's done a lot of negative, problematic things for himself and for his teams that he's played in for the people he represents. Uh, and then all the most recent are all the terrible things in the stint he did in, in San Jose, right? Like, uh, he, the one didn't his wife, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but he's got, there's enough news and media rap against him. You can Google Vander Kane and you'll find like tons of problems that he's, he's he's posted. He's got, He's got into some off-ice problems for sure. Right. And it's not it's not Atlanta's fault. They would never have known that this kid was going to develop into this person, right? Like, they would not know that. But, like, when the Jets had him, when we had him in our locker room, because he was a player on our team, um, we, we had to deal with him. Like, he was good, but he was also cocky, and he was very, like, I should be the number one left wing, and he was, he was the youngest kind of the youngest player to demand that uh, without earning it, if that makes any sense. And Bermastroff, kind of the same. Well, Bermastroff was another, I think that was the last Atlanta draftee. That right. Yeah. And, and Bermastroff ended up going back to the KHL, I believe. Like, he left the NHL altogether. So he just wanted to play in his way, in his style. And, and the NHL would have been a bit too difficult to adapt. So he just left. And um, I mean, it is fair to say that the European, not all the Europeans can transition to the smaller ice. I mean, that it that is fair to say. Right. And uh, I will also point out, like, another big, uh, like, the Russian hockey system. Like, I mean, as a Canadian, we kind of jokingly use the terminology Russian river hockey because it's like, imagine your ice was just long and you can go forever and you can be as fast as you want. That's kind of the way Russia feels like when you play. They just like to go like long down the ice uh the problem is that there's a lot more like there's a lot more latitude to the game you know you can there's more things you could do side to side and more things you could do cycling and and it's stuff that russia is kind of that's their style and i think maybe that's where Bermistrov was brought in from and in, in the national hockey league in north america it's not really the same there's a little bit more uh lateral movements in the game not just going straight down right um but yeah, so with other players, like, so with Kane, we had to get rid of him, right? We knew that there was an issue with him. Uh, it, it was actually the, the the inside story that I know uh, about Evander Kane in Winnipeg was that the Winnipeg Jets were playing against the Vancouver Canucks. They were in Vancouver, so it was a, it was an away game for the Jets. Um, Evander Kane's originally from the Vancouver area. And he has, like, friends and family in that area. So he was visiting with them. And uh, the, the dress code to arrive to your NHL game is always to be as, you know, as professionally good-looking as possible. So you're in a suit. Yeah. Right? And, and Evander Kane, because he was hanging out with his family and friends in the way that he was, he just rocked up to the, uh, to the ice wearing 
sweatpants and a hoodie. And uh, I think there was team members that had like openly said, that's not like, that's actually like, that's not acceptable. Like he needs to, he needs to treat the dress code when you walk in a little bit more seriously. And the coaches had to like sit him down and talk to him. And uh, I remember like, Dustin Bufflin was like the biggest right. boy that played for the Jets, and he he basically had to like rear a little bit on on Evander Kane, like just kind of like give him a little bit of like a hey, wake up, like you need to you need to consider this a little bit more seriously, and he like, was just brushing it off, you know what I mean? Like oh, it's suit gate or something to that effect. Right. Yeah, and he so he brushed it off, and. Yeah. There was no like there was no remorse. There was no nothing about him and his character showed room for improvement. So the Jets just didn't want him in the locker room. Like they literally saw that this was like the trend that he was moving in was all negative. So they just, you know, they they traded him. They got rid of him. And they to this day, him. like I'm thankful they did it because look how bad he ended up. Like he ended up playing in Buffalo and then his stint his stint didn't last there for very long and and now look at what he's done in San Jose. Like I remember guys, because I I was a San Jose fan before, uh, and so when they when he when he was brought in, San Jose fans were asking like, "Hey, what do you think of this guy?" And I told them like, "Look, on the ice he can do numbers. His stats are good, but off the ice you're gonna hate him. Like he's gonna ruin your team. He's gonna make bad decisions, and you're gonna like it's, there's gonna be repercussions." And he's and the guys were like, "Well, if he could put up points, like they kind of thought maybe that's enough." And it's like. Mm, depends on how bad his off ice is, man. Like, yeah. It I, feel out. Like, I feel like he would be a good player in a in like a. I hate this term, but a, but a big player and a good player in a non traditional market, somewhere where the media wasn't twenty four seven hockey focused. Right. You know what I'm saying? I feel like he'd be okay there, but I don't know about someone like winnipeg or montreal or like that. no well the thing is he's now going to edmonton right oh boy <laughs> yeah so i don't know like That's now he's in another canadian market which means you know they they will be watching they're going to be going to scrutinize him and they're not going to make him forget it either so that's hockey heart winning stuff right there folks there it is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow. So, I guess, so you think the Jets 2.0, they're in a good situation? Uh, maybe, like, the, maybe not results-wise, but overall, or? We're, we have, we have really good pieces now, you know what I mean? Like, we've made, we've made some developments, we've made, we've made some drafts, we've, we've done some trades in the past, and we've created some relationships with players that I think are all in the right direction. The only the only big thing is like just recently our head our head coach stepped down at the middle of December there. And it was a big one for us because a lot of a lot of fans really liked Paul Maurice. Coach Coach Mo was fantastic. Um, he's a very, very intelligent man. He's got an extremely sharp hockey sense. He uh, he's very, very in tune with uh, development. Like he's 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 good with systems, but I think his his actual strength is his development. 
he likes to find somebody's strength or find somebody's skill and then really develop those components to their game to see those parts improve, right? And I think he was a fantastic coach for our team. We needed a guy just like him. But he stated very specifically in his press conference that, like, he's done everything he can for the pieces that are here today, for the pieces that are in the team. And his voice is no longer pushing them forward to the next level. And he was basically indicating that to the press and indicating that to the management of the team to say, you know, if you want your team to succeed, you're going to need a new voice. This is, this is the bottom line. Yeah. And it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, and it's an honest man saying the truth, right? But it's also, yeah. you know, you don't want that. You, you really, I would rather have him back behind the bench, even if his voice wasn't heard as hard as it was before, like, I yeah. still think that he could have done more, but that's okay. Like he's he was honest with himself and he was honest with the team, and that's the best that we can ask for. So we appreciate everything that he's done. But now the question begs: Who's going to be our new head coach? We've got an assistant coach who's now taking over as the interim right now, and he's doing okay. But our stats, like we've lost five games in a row, so there's there's problems. We need to fix them, right? Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy with the team. I'm happy with 2.0. It's been a it's been huge to see that we've been able to actually get to the playoffs multiple years in a row. Um, that means that we have that competitive edge a little. Like we're ready to keep pushing, and we've got a rabid fan base, and that's something that you can dream of, right? Like teams beg for this, and they in Winnipeg, it comes as like the standard. It's it's automatic. Yeah. Well, like the record, uh, we were talking off air about a question I had, which was, um, I feel like this team is a couple of pieces away from being super great. I feel like the same thing. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, we've been, um, I remember when we first started out that the biggest hole that we had to fill was a center position Uh, when, when we first got the Atlanta team to become the, the the Winnipeg Jets team. The biggest piece that we were missing has always been who's our number one center or who's our number two center for that matter. Yeah. And, you know, we developed with draft and we've got Mark Scheifele and he was, now he's our number one. Like it's exactly as planned. He's been a fantastic centerman. He's, I think he's probably one of the most underrated centermen in the league right now. Um, his leadership is like, fantastic i just i think he's done everything that you need out of a center and we've now also acquired pierre-luc dubois with that trade from columbus with the patrick laney swap there so me that's one and two and you can argue about who's one and who's two that's but right I, they're both they're both two. number ones really you know what i mean like that now our quality at center is exactly where we need it but i think what we're missing is right. Uh, like good. our core and defense is good, but we don't have a number one D. Like there's not a single player that stands out as this guy should be the number one defenseman every night of the game. You know what I mean? Right. And to me, like to me, there's like a a drop off between the second center and like the third. There's like a big drop off. Well, and Adam Lowry's job as a third center is mostly to play a very strong defensive game. His 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 biggest statistic that's in our favor is his face-off win percentage. Yeah. 
and he's fantastic at that. So like I, I think he's doing everything that we need in that department. I think that what's difficult is finding the offense as well as the defense mixed. If, if you know what I mean, like you can't really. But you're now, now we might be asking for too much for a third line center, right? Like, yeah, I'm happy with him as a third liner. I think he's fantastic. Uh, our fourth line centers. Probably is like we have AHL quality players on our fourth line, right? Like, but we sh- we should say for the folks that that's kind of like the minor, the developmental league, right? It's kind of the developmental league of NHL, and right. the NHL is like the I'm I'm not as familiar with the with the Russian hockey league, um, the KHL. Yeah, the K. I I'm so not familiar. I forgot the name for a second. Yeah, but so good. the NHL traditionally is thought of as the best hockey league in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. So it has it has more uh, like there there are more players that play in the NHL from around the world, right? Than the KHL offers or any other league that's in that's around, right? So they the, their best players are represented here in the NHL. So I feel like we, we definitely represent that. So when it comes to an AHL, which is the minor league team, you're you're missing, you know what I mean? Like if you have players from the AHL playing to fill in your record or to fill in your roster. Um, a fine example, I was mentioning this before off the air, was the Montreal Canadiens uh, this year. They were like dead last. And... They're they're not doing well. They don't look good at all. Uh, they had at one time there was like a month stint where eight of their NHL roster players were just not available due to injury or sickness or COVID or whatever, and they replaced them with these these people from their minor leagues. And like that's half the team is an AHL caliber team. It's not even NHL ice ready, and they like their record is like 25 losses. Like it's bad. Um, so it's yeah. a perfect example of the jump between the leagues, you know, there, it's like, they need a, they need something that, that ups the ante a little bit between the two, but honestly, like there's nothing between the best of the best and the, and the second best right now. So, yeah, but see, the thing is though, right. I mean, the, the silver lining there with the Canadians is like, they're going to get a good draft pick maybe. So. Maybe. Uh, it, honestly, the the way that the like the draft lottery has been in the past few years, the people who are deserving of the best first overall pick ended up losing it to some lottery values, right? Like some lottery decide, like some lottery decision ended up giving the the best player the number one pick to a team that was maybe like third or fourth or even fifth last. In, in points, and then the guys who dead last don't even get the best option. It's like, well, that's kind of rough. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I know a good example of that actually is Columbus. They were meant to get the number one overall on the yeah. year that Connor McDavid was supposed to be drafted, and then I think Edmonton got the got the lottery. They won the lottery. They won the McDavid lottery, and of the bounce of the ping pong ball and, and right yeah it just came down to luck yeah think how different the league would be if columbus were edmonton like if columbus had edmonton's luck like, well 
you know, even still, like that would have meant that Connor McDavid would have been playing in Columbus. Do you think that Pierre Luc Dubois would have wanted to leave Columbus if he had a teammate like him? You know what I mean? Right. So they're, like, they're, that would have significantly changed their whole outcome. Or like, what if Sidney Crosby going all the way back? What if Sidney Crosby had ended up as an Atlanta Thrasher? Would the Thrashers still be here? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I can tell you that with the, with a guy like Crosby, with with the Thrashers, I know the Thrashers' biggest piece missing was always a center. They were always missing. Who's their number one center, right? Like they had plenty of good wingers, but no setup man for them, which is very difficult for them to be. The successful. only center they, yeah, the only center they had was, uh, well, we say the only center they had, the only good center they had was Savard. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, and he he was great. He was a he was a good setup guy, but imagine imagine a guy like Crosby instead. Like that could have significantly changed the outcome of that team's ability to be in the playoffs and yeah. dominate in the yeah. playoffs. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, see, I always go back to imagine Crosby and Kovalchuk and Savard on the same team at the same time. I always go back to that. Like, yeah ping pong ball had bounced a certain way yeah legitimately that could have been the case i mean i remember that year because it was they called it the crosby the crosby lottery remember like i remember it was uh there was a mess up in the previous year there was like a, a shortened season due to lockout i believe that's what happened and so the statistics for outcomes of teams were not accurate they were all marginalized so right it no. didn't matter, so they, they did something. But I can remember, I swear to God, I remember this. I swear to God, I remember, like, when the kid, imagine being a kid, like, you're, I don't know, 16, 15, 16 years old, you know, and you just know that there there's, there's like, New York and, and Long Island places. They're, like, they're trying to lose two years from now to go get you. <laughs> right. No. Which is a very, very weird concept. Like, just, I can't even imagine that. And like, yeah. I literally remember, like, people saying, we got a plan to, like, like, GM, not GMs, but employees of teams would be off the record and be like, we got to be trying to lose this year so we can get down to where Crosby is. So, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it- and that's dodgy, right? Like, I mean, it's competitive. It's business. It's what it's what you kind of expect when you add the human error to the to the formula. Yeah. yeah. But well, it is what it is, man. Like hockey, I, hockey and football are the only two sports like that in North America. Right. You you don't see that in baseball at all. No. You don't really see that where you're thinking, oh, we got to go get this draft pick and then we can get. No. But I feel like baseball players have better value for longer time. Does that make sense? That's I, I think that's that's true. So like in, in a sport like the NFL or in the NHL, the amount of contact, the amount of like wear and tear that a player goes through. You get them for a window. Like there's a there's a there's a time and a place and a time and a year for those players to be at their maximum value, and then after that window, 
like the amount of wear and tear the sport does on them they're not the same like they're they're not walking out of there the same they were when they came in right like it's hard to it's hard to look at it that way but and the nfl in particular like the amount of uh like grueling damage that the body goes through it's yeah it's huge right and in hockey it happens it's not me but not as i would say it's more consistent in the nfl but i think in hockey like yeah it happens and there are some career ending injuries they have happened like Savard, we were just talking Savard. Right, there's a good example. Like his concussion, never he never came back after that. Like he wasn't the same player. But he had a window where he was incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not even the same person. Like I've seen an interview with him. You can tell. Like there's something not right. Right. Yeah. And it's the toll of playing in the league, right? It's the toll, the price of playing in this league. Um. And I think it's part of the contract agreements as well. You know, if your expectations of your health are X, whatever that means, it's it's not it's not like your everyday job, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I tell you. But yeah, yeah, going back to uh, going back to the idea that Atlanta could potentially ice a third NHL team. I believe that they are as good as any option, to be honest. Like uh, the options that I that I hear about or that I've heard uh, are places like Houston, places like Kansas City, places like Quebec City. Um, those are three names that pretty much have a consistency. They kind of rear their heads whenever there's a talk about a team yeah. that could, could that could come to a city. Those 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 come up as viable names, and I always throw Atlanta in the mix of that as well. Personally, I think like, look, they know what it takes to run one. They've done it. They've done it twice. And I my honest feeling is it's either one of two things. It's either three strikes you're out or third time's a charm. Like how like and you know and they know from their previous mistakes if there were mistakes. You know, that, you know I wouldn't say that it was exactly on them. Uh, but they've learned from those pieces, those that, like that gold that they've got in their knowledge right now, is probably yeah. way more valuable than a brand new city like Houston or Kansas City or those kinds of places could ever amount to. Well, I will say, and I, I do want to throw this out in the universe, that I don't think it's going to be an expansion franchise because, like I said off air, and maybe I said it on air. It's not gonna pay to watch somebody be terrible. Like, no. it's not how this city works. Um, there's just too much to do. There's too, there, you know. Um, that's that's why Atlanta has the rap as a bad sports town because if, if your team is bad, we're not gonna go. We're not gonna show up. Right. Right. But and- yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like expansion isn't even on the lit like on the on the horizon either because we've just finished the expansion for Seattle, right? And then then before that was only within five years they had just finished the previous one for Vegas, and I think the sweet spot is right where they are right now. 
the 32 team limit is exactly where they want it because now you can have eight uh, sorry four divisions with eight teams in each division right now and i and, think also yeah i think also like you're saying there you get to a dilution of the talent pool i mean you, you know right you get to you know what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, you're going to be spreading your you're going to be spreading it all too thin and then you're not going to be able to market what's considered a strong team, right? Um, and that's partially like if you want to like if you want to understand a little bit more about metrics with ice hockey, that's the reason why uh, the Olympics are one of the most viewed and watched and favored to watch ice hockey uh, games because it's not a diluted talent pool at all it's quite the opposite you've got the best players representing that country in one team right team united states ice is an incredibly talented forward heavy our hockey team uh team 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 russia same difference like they've they've they've, they've got incredibly talented russian players that could play together um and team canada is probably one of the most dominating uh ice hockey teams to watch but I mean, we've we've lost a couple. We've lost a couple of them. You know, we've lost a few of them that we remember. And now with these these Chinese Olympics happening as well, and and basically a lot of the NHL players and the association is basically opting out. They're saying no, the the restrictions in China are so demanding that it's just the risk for us for professional athletes to get stuck there due to COVID. They're a pro protocols for covid is just is not worth it they'd rather come they'd rather stay in north america and get paid to do their job than to have to deal with something that's outside of their control that china dictates whether they get to do what they want or not right 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 and i also think i mean um i i think you're right but i mean you go back to hashik i think the Czech problem yeah that that's an example of a world class goalie giving his country the gold medal. He single handedly won the gold in in Japan. Like, exactly. Exactly. Like Yager was part of that team, and yeah, Yager scored goals. But the difference between the Olympic gold and not getting that gold medal was one hundred percent Dominic Kashuk. Yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. There's not even a question. Exactly. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think, um, I, think the, I think the IOC was a little. They were not think. I mean, nobody thought about COVID when people picked Beijing. And, you know, right. Whatever. Yeah, I just don't. Mm. I'm curious if they're going to even pull the plug on the whole thing. Like, I don't think they are. Like the whole Olympics, I I don't know. Because it's not going to be a fair representation. It's not going to be, you know, of the best of the world athletes. It, it, it won't be the best. It's going to be who decides to go or not go is a different story, right? Like, I don't know. Is it really even the Olympics if it's not the best players representing? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it? Yeah, I I don't know the answer to that question. I mean... And the thing, so I, I do COVID episodes, right? So I, I research COVID. The right. thing I'm starting to realize is um, COVID's, 
you know, back in 20, we thought COVID was going to go away. We thought it was going to peter out. I don't no. know that it's going to peter out. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm it may be something that we stick around with for a while, right? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, you know, do you see people returning to, to NHL arenas in Canada wearing masks? I mean, we did. We, pre- we previously had been. And uh, so the fact that it happened already, I believe, and in, in it's kind of proof that we most most likely we will do it again. Yeah. Right. Well, but yeah. Question is when, right? Like, how long do we have to wait? I, you know, I I don't know the answer. I, <laughs> you know, I I thought Omicron. I thought we were over this, and then Omicron happens, and right. And I think that's the biggest thing is. This new variant, right, is 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 the reason that we're experiencing what we have, and I think because the previous one, the previous COVID variants that we had had specific statistics about them, and they had concerns that we could have a repeat with deaths and things like that. Like, yeah, it, it obviously the red flags were saying we got to shut the public access down. We have to like be more mindful fair that's fair but it, yeah it's there's only so many times that that, that the public is going to listen <laughs> to the same restrictions getting pulled and then put up again and then getting pulled you know like right you're not you don't really like you don't really hear or care as much if it's been like the fifth time that it's happened I think you're right. I think people are, are literally going to uh, run out of patience at some point. Like, they already have here, basically. I mean, in this country, they already pretty much have. Yeah, um, I, I I feel like it's it's like that in some places in Canada. I wouldn't say all of them are like that, but I would definitely say that there are some places that have hit their limit. And the care factor of whatever restriction is there is just yeah non-existent, right? One of my one of my regulars up in Canada, he calls Alberta the Texas of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm familiar, very familiar with that. Yeah. He said up there, man, they just don't it's like you know they don't really think it's uh a thing basically. Well they kinda do. I think they do, but at the same time they just don't let it be the center of attention anymore they've had enough you know it's been you know we're on year year three now yeah (laughs) right like you got year three we're on year three now so right i don't know you'd think that you think you think after three years that the human race would develop some form of immunities naturally right maybe i don't know uh, well, I know for a fact because it was so. Okay, so here's something I know because I have a master's in history. Right. Um, so there's a certain percentage of people from Eurasia, which you're white, I'm white, so our ancestors eventually were from Eurasia. Okay. Okay. Europe and Asia. There's a certain percentage of us that are completely immune to the Black Death. Okay. So that came about because of constant pro- prolonged exposure to it, right? 
for hundreds of years. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. COVID's been around for 20 years. The COVID family of diseases has been around for 20 years, right? Right. And so eventually, you're right, eventually on a long enough timeline, somebody's going to become immune to Ebola. But that's going to be hundreds and hundreds of years from now. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) It's like the War of the Worlds where, you know, when the aliens come to planet Earth, they dominated the planet. They they suppressed human the human race with ease, yep. right? But it wasn't the humans that they were really like that they didn't understand were the biggest problem. The biggest problem was the fact that uh, spoiler alert if you don't know just just don't listen at this this stage. Uh, but it the the problem was germs and diseases ended up killing the aliens that were you know on the yeah. planet because they were exposed to all of them so quickly with no developed immune systems in the process right so right and it and then once that happened it was like okay well it, it looked like humans lost if you in the sci-fi terms we were we were going to be dominated by an alien race and it, it just so happened to be that it's our ecosystem that saves the day <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! I don't know. There, there's a there's a rock album that was out in the '70s where somebody read uh, War of the Worlds to Acid Rock, like in the '70s or '80s or whatever. Right. If you, if you can find that, that's really good. Um. Anyway, Paul, uh, do you have anything you want to tell the internet? We've been talking, you and I, for approximately two hours. Oh, awesome. Um. At this moment, I, I sincerely hope that Atlanta does get a, get a third shot. I, I kind of root for that idea. I've been I've been saying that for a little while now, probably for the last decade. And um, if uh, the only unfortunate truth is that it's most likely going to be the Coyotes. So there there's there is some pool of talent in that area, like the players themselves. I just think that the circumstances those players are in are are just so atrocious that they have no pride. I don't think that they want to play there. Um, I think that if Atlanta could embrace them and and give them a chance, I'm sure that some of those players can turn out to be incredibly great and gifted forwards and and defensor and and goalies that you can actually cheer for. Um, And at least give them some fans in the stands. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) <laughs> like, I saw when I saw that video or when I saw those pictures of an empty arena and then I saw like where they're going to be playing for three years. I'm like, OK, that's, you know, tell rough. me, the tell me, no, 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 no. That's not where we put that team, that's, you know, no. but thank you, Paul. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for being patient. Uh, All right, everybody. As always, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. All right. Bye-bye, everybody.